What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. One, what is up, everybody? Welcome on into the program. Middays at Mile High, right here on My Life Sports Radio 98.1 FM. Stream live anytime, MileHighSports.com, as well as the Mile High Sports Twitter feed. Monday, June the 13th. Plenty to talk about, plenty to bet on today as we get our week started. And uh, yeah, plenty, really plenty to talk about as the Denver Nuggets just make a trade. The Colorado Avalanche have their Stanley Cup opponent. The Rockies have themselves a pretty successful West Coast road trip. And uh, away we go. A little programming note. Uh, we got two guests for you today with all of the information. My guy Ryan Blackburn will join the show here in the next segment at 11.15 to break down the trade of uh, Jermichael Green along with a uh, 2027 First round draft choice to the Oklahoma City Thunder in exchange for the number 30 overall draft choice in this year's draft, along with two future second round picks. So we'll talk about that with our guy, uh, Ryan Blackburn. Follow him on Twitter at NBA Blackburn uh, coming up here in just a few minutes on the program. We've also got our guy, Arif Dean, covers the avalanche for us right here at MyLifeSports.com, getting ready to uh, cover a Stanley Cup final for us here. He's going to be in Tampa as well. But uh, we'll set the stage as the Avalanche and Tampa Bay Lightning are getting ready to throw down in the 2022 Stanley Cup final. But uh, let's start with the Denver Nuggets as that came out. Let's see. Woj tweeted this at uh, 10.31 a.m. ESPN sources Denver is trading forward Jermichael Green in a protected 2027 first-round pick to the Oklahoma or to Oklahoma City for the number 30 pick in this month's NBA draft and two future round picks, second-round picks. Excuse me. Nuggets have the number 21 and number 30 pick in this year's draft, and now the Thunder have number two, 12, and 34. In a follow-up tweet, Woj says. Green is expected to exercise his $8.2 million contract for the 2022-2023 season. Deal gives Nuggets uh, flexibility to use $6.4 million tax mid-level exception for or an $8.2 million uh, trade exception in the offseason. My goodness, a lot of words here. Nuggets expect to be a tax-paying team. Thunder have $31 million in cap space to absorb green salary. Okay, so pretty much a salary dump type of move for the Denver Nuggets, and if they end up retaining this number 30 overall pick, uh, you know, this is a pretty loaded draft, so we'll talk about, you know, prospects, all that kind of stuff here with Ryan coming up in the next segment, but this is the kind of deal that gives me the vibe of, uh, you know, potentially trying to package this for something else. You know, I know a lot of people are wondering if Will Barton might get moved this offseason as well, so I'm not the expert Ryan is. We'll break it down with him a little bit later on the program in just a few minutes here uh, in the next segment, figure out what this trade means for the Denver Nuggets, who've also got themselves a little workout going on this morning, too. So we'll talk about that here with Ryan Blackburn in uh, just a few minutes. But uh, I always got to do it. Andrew, behind the glass, how was your weekend, my man? How you doing on this Monday? 
Was it a good weekend for you? I uh, I thought I broke my foot on Friday night. Oh my night. gosh, break the car, so, break the foot. No, it's not broken. I thought I broke That's it. That's good. But it hurt like crap. What did you do? I uh, cannot disclose that information. Oh gosh. Got to get the lawyers involved. Oh my gosh. Not really. I just don't want to talk about I don't want to embarrass myself too much on radio, so... Ah. Um, well, you didn't limp uh, in undisclosed here, so injury. No, like my foot is fine now, but for most of the weekend, it just hurt like a word. Yeah. It hurt like a word. Yeah, I, I could imagine. So how about the Rockies? I know you're a baseball guy. Look at that. Two back-to-back solid series against two respectable opponents. My I say, oh, San Francisco's been a little up and down, but uh, they play well against San Francisco, play well against San Diego, all things considered. The Rockies here, maybe putting it together. Maybe maybe just the month of, uh, maybe the month of May was just a bad one for them. We'll see. I mean, they played well in April, obviously, the first get out of the season, and they win 4-2 to two yesterday against the San Diego Padres, who, you know, are putting together a pretty impressive season, you know, all things considered. I think having Bob Melvin as their skipper has definitely played a big role in that as well. But how about the Rockies yesterday, Andrew? I can't get a read on this team whatsoever. Yeah. If you were to tell me they just, they if, they, if they beat the Giants the way they beat them, it wouldn't kind of surprise me. Going back, I believe two weeks ago, the Reds took a series against the Giants. Right. So the Giants aren't exactly... <laughs> but then the Giants sweep the, the Dodgers yep. this weekend. So, like, I don't even... Baseball's all, in a weird like, state. 2022, like, sports took the the book of logic and just tossed it out the window. Yeah. Because, you know, that makes sense. No, that, that's where it's at. But the Rockies are 27-34 and 34 now on the season after that 4-2 to two victory. San Diego's actually playing good baseball this year. 37-24. and uh, 24. Manny Machado. You know, kind of reinserting his name into the uh, to the mix here after a couple of interesting years. Yeah, all of that without Fernando Tatis Jr., who's sitting on my fantasy bench. I'm praying. For, I got uh, Tatis Jr. and Chris Sale just marinating on my bench right now. I'm just waiting for both of those guys to come back, and I feel like I'm going to be a real strong second half team in my fantasy league. Once don't, I get both uh, don't those guys, tell Tommy Fan that you're stalking him on your bench because he yes, might slap you. I might. Yeah, I might get kicked out of my league if that's the case. <laughs> but uh, yeah, hey, as long as the Rockies, well, well, we've been saying, you know, all all. Baseball season, you know, just keep us relevant. Keep the Rockies relevant to right around the 4th of July. May was awful, but look, they play pretty well against a couple of interesting teams here. Let's see what they can do. They have, I believe, uh, Cleveland this week. I know they play San Diego again, and then I believe Miami. So a couple interesting series upcoming here for the Rockies as uh, they win yesterday 4-2. to two. We also got ourselves a real good series with the uh, NBA Finals between the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors. I was actually with a said on Friday. I thought this man was going to have a heart attack watching the game. Just you, you got to watch a game with a said man. I mean, it's truly an experience. He's just doesn't sit down, stands up, always commenting. I was telling, uh, you know, I so, did watch a game with Zed. Which one? Oh yeah, that's, watch party that's true at the watch where party. my my Viking sized friend almost. Yeah, yeah, he's an interesting one. Yeah, you got to understand who he is, you know. And I feel like if you know who his set is, you understand where it's coming from. The trash talk in that sense, but uh, a pretty impressive victory for the Golden State Warriors there in Game Four, a one hundred seven ninety seven road victory. Obviously, Game Five coming up tonight. Boy, oh boy, do I've got some bets, some wagers for that one. And I'm excited to get Ryan on in here in the next segment because obviously we'll talk about this Denver Nuggets trade involving Jermichael Green, but also get his opinion, get his feel for what's going on in the NBA Finals here at the moment with that series knotted up at two games apiece. Uh, of course, Game 5 coming up tonight uh, in Golden State. Stephen Curry turning back the clock with that Game 4 performance. 43 points from Steph. And the only thing that's making me, you know, this has been an interesting NBA Finals, All I mean, really an interesting playoff all, all, all kind of go around for the Boston Celtics. They've done a great job of rallying after a loss. But where is Boston at in the grand scheme of this series now when you look at Stephen Curry having to put up a 43-point performance 
you know, to essentially carry the Golden State Warriors to a victory. Is that something he's going to be able to rep- uh, replicate here as we move forward? That's, something, that's a trend, a thought that I've got my eye on here with Game 5 coming up tonight in Golden State. So that's going to be a real fun series, and uh, no series is going to be more fun than the Stanley Cup Final getting started on Wednesday. We finally have got our matchup here with the Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Avalanche series price is minus 175 for to win the series. The comeback on Tampa at plus 155. Uh, to be expected here, honestly, I think it's definitely, you got to consider it the Avalanche series to lose. I know we're talking about the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions here, which is why I think there's a generous number out there for Tampa right now, and I'm curious to see how this series goes, but the Avalanche should absolutely be the favorite in this series. I think the question is, and I've said it all, 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 all playoff run long here on the program. I think the the only way the Avalanche don't win this series is they beat themselves. And I know they're going to have to go up against an extremely difficult goaltender in Andre Vasilevsky, and I think that's going to be another deciding factor here because you know there's going to be a game or two where Vasilevsky's not giving up more than two goals. Hell, he might not even give up a goal in that sense as well. How are you going to be able to rally in those games? Can you figure out a way to get the puck behind the net? Or if you lose those type of games, not let that frustration boil over. And, and, you know, try to knock Vasilevsky off his rhythm as well. So those are all kind of themes that I'm keeping my eye on here. But I think the series price is about right. If I had to make a bet right now, I'm not landing $1.75 on the avalanche. I know there's a lot of people out here, and I'm trying to take my, uh, you know, local bias out of it in that sense. I've seen a lot of people predicting the Avs in five. I, I, I mean, I this team's going to get battle tested for the reasons I just explained. You're going to go up against the best goaltender in the league right now. We don't really know what the avalanche goaltending situation is here at the moment. And, and look, I understand that they just swept Edmonton, who has this ferocious offense. But at the end of the day, I think you got to be at least slightly concerned, regardless if it's Frankie or Darcy Kempernet going up against this battle tested back to back Stanley Cup champion team in the Tampa Bay Lightning. Look, I think it's the Avalanche series to lose. I got them winning this game, or I got them winning this series in seven. Don't get me wrong here, but I, I, I've just seen a lot of conversation out there on social media about abs and five. I mean, people, I mean, I know that's probably just people being excited in that, but I, I think this has got a six or seven game series written all over it. I believe the Avalanche can win a pivotal game six in Tampa to close the series out DB, but we'll preview the entire series with Eric Dean coming up a little bit later on in the program as uh, the Avalanche find themselves in the Stanley Cup final for the first time since the year 2001, and they have to, uh, you know, the interesting parallel there is they beat the New Jersey Devils in the year 2001 to win the Stanley Cup final, and the Devils were the defending Stanley Cup champion in that sense as well, so it's, uh, it's going to be a process here for sure, so we'll keep an eye on all of that as we move along with the Colorado Avalanche. But uh, plenty to talk about Avalanche hockey, NBA Finals, and a little Denver Nuggets trade on the program. I can't believe it. I saw a tweet this morning. There's only 100 games left for some of these teams in Major League Baseball already. 100 games left. I saw the Mets tweeted that out. they got 100 games left to play, and I believe only three of them start after 7.30 East Coast time or something along those lines. But it just made me think, wow, we're already, you know, 60-plus games into the season for a lot of these teams as, uh, you know, we're rocking and rolling here. Summertime is upon us. June, we're in the middle of June now. You know, here here we go with it all. You know, NBA Finals coming to a close. NHL Finals getting started, which is later than usual. And uh, we will figure that out here at the moment. And I've yet to get to a single game so far. You've yet to be to what, a Rockies game? A baseball game. You haven't here. been to a single Rockies game yet? Yeah, yeah. tickets are $4, though, Andrew. You could get in there for free if you want I'd to. I'd rather have good seats than go yeah. to a lot of cheap seat games, personally. You could sneak down. That's the easiest stadium to sneak down in. You just got to find, you know, your old friend there who works the, you know, on a nice empty game day. That's how so you your do friend. It. No, I mean, that's the easiest stadium to sneak around in. Are you kidding me? I'm not trying to advocate for that, but when it's half empty, I mean, why would they not let you just move up a few rows? 
you could go to a game. That's the, I, I refuse to pay a bunch of money to go sit close when I know I can do that as well. That's my other part of it. It's like, why am I going to pay 60 bucks for something when I could pay four to get in, you know, and then play the game a little bit, you know, test my luck. See, I tried that once upon a time, like two years ago, and the person that was overseeing that row. Oh, you got caught? They didn't caught. Like, I was sitting there for maybe five seconds, and then she came down, and she's like, oh, well, are these your seats? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. She's like, go. Okay. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll get you to a game here soon. But, oh, no, uh, I'm going to one uh, when I fly back to Illinois. Okay, but you're St. not Louis going for... to a Rockies game. You're going to go to one in St. Louis. Yeah. Well, you got to go to a Rockies game, man. I got to see you. Just... I mean, you're the one that got I up got... in my face at the gotta, watch party. I got like, to du- see you double fist a couple hot dogs again. That's an iconic scene. No, I'll, I'm, I, I have a few games on the docket here. And... Who do you want to see? Come on. Well, okay, outside of St. Louis. <laughs> Like who's good teams? Good teams. All right, Andrew wants to see a good team. We'll try to make that happen for him. Uh, it'll, it'll happen over the course of the next couple of weeks. Once here. my car, once I get these payments <laughs> off my car finally paid off, will he I ever will, get the payments uh, be, figured out? I can allocate money to different areas. All right, well, good stuff. I got my fingers crossed for you, bud. Let's hit a break. When we come back, we'll chat a little Denver Nuggets basketball with our insider Ryan Blackburn covers the team for us here at MyLifeSports.com. Jermichael Green on his way out the door. A draft pick. And a couple future ones as well coming in. The first trade for Mr. Calvin Booth. We'll talk about it and get his opinion on what this means for the Denver Nuggets next right here on the program. It is Middays at Mile High right here on My Life Sports Radio. Back in just a few minutes. Tell me who rock, who sell out in the stores. You tell me who flop, who cop the blue drop, who jewels got pops, who mostly go shit down, who drop. The same old pimp. We love that basketball. They're playing basketball. He's got the biggest stories of the day, plenty of guests, and of course, all the bets for today's action. This is Middays at Mile High with Anilo Piro. Welcome on back to the show. It is Middays at Mile High with Anilo Piro. Thank you guys for rocking with me on this Monday, June the 13th. 303-831-1340 is the number to call if you want to get involved with the program. And uh, we got a little breaking news this morning coming down from the basketball world. And to talk about it on the Nuggets perspective, let's bring in our guy, Ryan Blackburn. You can follow him on Twitter at NBA Blackburn, our lead Denver Nuggets analyst for us here at MileHighSports.com. And uh, Mr. Blackburn, this is the first move of the Calvin Booth era as Jermichael Green is on his way out the door along with a 2027 first round pick in exchange for the number 30 pick in this year's draft, along with a couple of future second-round picks. How are we doing on this Monday? And why don't you go ahead and break down what just happened for us? I'm good, Neil. It's, uh, it's interesting to be the, for this to be the first move that Calvin Booth makes in this era. Uh, not really surprised, though. I, I do think that this was kind of a move that I foresaw as a potential kind of salary saver for Denver. It gives them a little bit more flexibility. But that extra first-round pick is a, is a good tool. It's a good, it's a good piece to add to the puzzle, whether you're adding that player to your roster, whether you're using that as a trade piece to try to move and, get, and acquire somebody that can help you right now. Uh, whatever the case may be, this does feel like the right move for Denver because their window is now. It's not 2027. Yeah, so we're talking with Ryan Blackburn here. Follow him on Twitter at NBA Blackburn, and obviously a big move here for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, the first one of the Calvin Booth era. We'll see how the kind of ripple effect shakes out here, but I, I do want to get your opinion of this being 
the first big decision for Calvin Booth as kind of the head honcho here. Remember, you know, there was a lot of talk about him, you know, not not being afraid to kind of make trades. I don't think this is, you know, necessarily out of the ordinary, maybe a salary clearing type of move here. But what do you how do you kind of estimate this trade from Calvin Booth's perspective? What do you think the thought process was for him here as kind of making his first trade as the head honcho of the Denver Nuggets? Well, one of the things you got to look at is, is who, who he has on the current Nuggets roster. What makes sense? And right now they have a, they've got some guards. They've got Murray, Morris, Bones. They've got their foundation: Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, etc. They also have Zeke Naji, and Zeke Naji is a 21 year old forward. Didn't really play a ton last year, but kind of he was in the process of usurping Jamichael Green the rotation and ultimately kind of fell back because he got injured right towards the end of the year. But he was a guy that I think everybody in Denver has a lot of confidence in. They, they believe in his kind of modern floor-stretching ability, his ability to switch on the perimeter a little bit. And he just makes a lot of sense for where Denver's trying to go. And he also plays the same position as Jermichael Green. So when you're talking about the, the different positions to fill within a championship rotation, uh, this is not a surprising move. Denver already had a six foot nine backup power forward. They really didn't need a second one. Yeah, and that certainly makes sense here. Our guest is Ryan Blackburn. Follow him on Twitter at NBA Blackburn. As the uh, Denver Nuggets making a trade here involving Jamichael Green, getting back some uh, draft assets here in the future. Uh, what do you think they do with this number thirty pick? I know you've been talking about it a little bit on Twitter. Is this something you see they try to stockpile? I know they've got another pick there in the first round. Do they try to maybe trade up in the draft, trade back in the draft, or are they going to try to trade both of these picks maybe for a potential player? How do how do you view the Nuggets uh, using this newfound draft capital? They could go any number of ways. Let's let's be honest. I, I still don't have a great read on Calvin Booth and what he really plans to do this offseason, especially with regard to the draft. Denver has brought in some guys, haven't necessarily brought in a ton of the top talent, so I'm not necessarily sure if they have somebody circled that's more towards the draft lottery where you pair uh, 21 and 30, and then you try to move up to, let's say, 16 or 14 or something like that. I don't know if that's what they're going to do. I think the more likely scenario is that Denver, they acquired a pick so that they can trade one of those picks in a deal with a current player to get an upgrade. Then they don't necessarily have to, like, they, like they'll still get a young player in the draft. Let's say they trade the 30th pick. They still have the 21st pick where they can use that and acquire somebody that they believe to be helpful but they still have more flexibility now that a team can really eyeball and say, look, we're getting a nice pick from Denver. We'll give up this valuable piece so that that guy can come back to Denver and help them win a championship. Right. Well, we'll keep an eye on here on that as we see what Calvin Booth decides to do as the draft gets closer and closer as well. Ryan, I know you've been at some of these pre-draft workouts as well uh, for us here at MyLifeSports.com. Have there been any prospects that have stood out to you? Anything that you've heard from maybe Coach Malone? I know defense is another kind of aspect that's being uh, reinforced across the board for the team this offseason. Any big takeaways from the pre-draft workouts going down at the ball arena? There isn't that much, uh, let's be honest. So a, a lot of the process with some of these pre-draft workouts, especially the public ones, is where you'll get guys that it's, it's, a lot of it is sometimes it's favors to agents. It's, it's making sure that you establish good connections with some of the prospects that are coming in. It was interesting to talk to Nikola Jovic. He's a Serbian right. 19-year-old who is a, a Jokic approximate from the, the power forward position, a small forward position. He's very talented. He's very unique. Uh, they had Christian Coloco in. They also had Wendell Moore in from Duke, who I really, I really like his game. 
But some of the more private workouts, I think, are where you're going to see the Nuggets really uh, work their magic. They haven't necessarily drafted a bunch of guys in the past that they've had in a public workout setting. They try to keep all these things close to the vest. And it's, uh, it's obviously our job to try to suss those things out a little bit. But I do think that they, they try to keep things close for a reason. So what's your read on this Jovich character? And or I don't even is it Jovich Jovich? And I know I should probably know that being a Denver Nugget, you know, supporter and talking about it here on the uh, on the program on the airwaves and whatnot. But is he really just like a Jokic clone? Like what at the power forward position? I know there's been a lot of buzz, a lot of talk with him around town here lately. What's the lowdown after you got to see him in person and talk to him? Well, definitely, I, I think I overstated it because his name is so close to Nikola Jovic. Uh, in Nikola Jokic, it's it's Jovic, Jovic. Uh, sort of like 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 Joker. It's it's Jovic, okay. and and so he's basically think of Michael Porter Jr. and how tall he is. Uh, Jovic is taller than him. He's about wow. an inch taller than him. Plays a similar position. Isn't as good of a shooter as a Michael Porter, but definitely is a better passer. Definitely is somebody who sees the floor really well creates off the dribble for himself and others. And he's got a little bit of a spark. He's got a little bit of an attitude. One of the things coming out about him in the draft was he he can be a little bit aggressive, and sometimes that doesn't necessarily translate to elite uh, teamwork and and, and kind of being a selfish teammate. I spoke to him, and and he just seems like a happy-go-lucky kid. He he seems like a player who uh, is very competitive, very young, and just wants to win and also wants to prove himself along the way. Just he almost seems like Juancho Hernan Gomez and hustle. Right. That's an interesting comparison there. I got to check that one out. I've seen the trailers and I've seen some clips going around on Twitter. You have a movie review for that one? What do you rate Juancho's oh, it's fantastic. It, it's great. They they did a great job uh, kind of understanding the, the, the game for the rookies and how important some of these events are, how important some of these connections are. And sometimes if you're an under-discussed rookie, these, uh, these workouts are everything to you. You don't necessarily get another shot to, to make a first impression. So it was very, very good. I really enjoyed Watcher's performance. Adam Sandler was fantastic as the scout. And, and there were so many NBA cameos in it. It was, it was really interesting to watch. Good stuff. All right, Ryan, before we let you go, I want to talk to you about the NBA Finals. Obviously, knotted up at a ga- or two games apiece. Excuse me, Game 5 coming up tonight. Two impressive wins for Golden State, two for Boston. The Celtics have been great coming off a loss, 7-0 and coming off a loss this playoff run. What do you make of the NBA Finals at this point? Who do you think wins tonight? Oh, it's a fantastic playoff. It's a fantastic Finals especially. These are the two best teams. I think what we've seen from the NBA over the course of these playoffs is that these are the two teams that operate at the highest level consistently, have the fewest weaknesses, and just kind of consistently rise to the occasion. And, and nobody can like, really discuss that more than Steph Curry. Right. He has been fantastic ever since he, he got healthy in that Denver series. He's just been on fire for the entire playoffs. And I'm not surprised that he was able to win that game in Boston basically by himself. I would still give the edge to Boston because I do think that they are the better team. I think that a lot of what the Warriors have done has just been Curry heroics, and they haven't had as many guys step up in his place or kind of of in place of when he's on the bench and when he's not necessarily operating at his best. I do think that the Celtics win it in seven. I don't think that they win it in six. Uh, this, This is a series that's going to go seven games. I would be shocked if it didn't. It's just been a lot of fun to watch these two teams operate at a high level, though. The defensive versatility off the charts. 
Yeah, no, I, I think it's a seven-game series, and then from there I got it as a coin toss. I'd probably lean Golden State just because of the home court advantage, but it would not surprise me whatsoever if Boston pulled that one out. I'm looking forward to the rest of the series, man. Not it up at two games apiece, and uh, game five coming up here shortly. Ryan, my man, thank you so much for a few minutes of your time. We'll do it again soon, all right? Thanks, Daniel. I appreciate you. There he goes. Check him out on Twitter, at NBA Blackburn. You can also follow his work online at milehighsports.com. So the Denver Nuggets, they make a trade. Jermichael Green out the door. 2027 first round pick out the door, a couple of future second round picks in the door, along with the number 30 pick in this year's draft. What will they do? Will they try to trade up? Will they try to trade back? Will they just try to trade the pick for a proven player, a proven commodity? I'm sure we'll get some answers to that uh, as the NBA draft continues to approach. So good stuff. Let's hit a break. When we come back, transition from the hardwood to the ice where the Avalanche are getting ready for the Stanley Cup against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Our Avalanche insider, Eric Dean, is going to join us on the program pretty much every day from here on out and we'll break down all the news and notes involving your Colorado Avalanche we'll preview the series with game one coming up on Wednesday next right here on the program it is Middays at Mile High right here on My Life Sports Radio we're back in just a few minutes Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at thirty thousand feet so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus that's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus see me because i don't He's got the biggest stories of the day, plenty of guests, and of course, all the bets for today's action. This is Middays at Mile High with Anilo Piro. Welcome on back to the show, 1131 Middays at Mile High right here on Mile High Sports Radio. Hope everyone is doing well out there on this uh, Monday, June the 13th as uh, the Colorado Avalanche are getting ready to uh, play in their first Stanley Cup in a little over two decades, going up against the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Avalanche finally have an opponent after uh, a little over a week or so off. Well, it'll be a little over a week or so off by the time they hit the ice on Wednesday. And a preview of the series and talk about it now live on the line. Let's bring in our guy, Arif Dean, covers the Avalanche for us here at MyLifeSports.com. Of course, he'll be over at the Ball Arena for Games 1 and 2 and then out to Tampa for Games 3 and 4 and potentially beyond. Mr. Dean, how are we doing on this Monday? I'm doing fantastic, and I am all for the Eminem intros when I come on the show. All right. So keep 
We will, we're going to remember that one. But uh, okay, let's before we talk about the series as a whole, let's take a look at the Eastern Conference final, right? So the Rangers are up 2-0. They're up 2-0 in game three as well. Looks like they've got Tampa on the ropes. And then the uh, Lightning managed to rip off four consecutive wins and punch their third consecutive trip to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, just your opinion on the resiliency from this Tampa Bay Lightning team. I mean, it looked like they were dead to rights there for a minute. Scrappy team, good goaltending. And here they are in their third consecutive Stanley Cup final. There's no such thing as getting the Tampa Bay Lightning on the ropes. Uh, I've learned that over the last few right. years. Uh, this is something that I talked about, you know, in in length with JJ Jerez on our podcast yesterday, Hockey Mountain Higher Go to Avalanche podcast. We talked about how you could be up two nothing in a series, you could be up three nothing in a series. If you ever have that feeling of belief that you've got Tampa Bay on the ropes, that's going to be the start of what makes you lose. And I think the Rangers kind of—I don't want to say they were in over their heads. But I think they let up a little bit too much too quickly and Tampa Bay came right back in. And and that's the reality. If you're the Avs, you're going to have to keep the foot on the pedal until the final buzzer of the clinching game to win this thing. Yeah, certainly a ferocious comeback there from the Tampa Bay Lightning. And uh, no surprise that they're here in the cup final for a third consecutive year. Uh, you know, so the Avalanche, let's talk about the series here a little bit. A, a lot of narrative going around with the amount of time that the Avalanche are going to have all very similar to the uh, in-between time from round one to round two. Uh, but here we are with an Avalanche team that is 12 and 12-2 in the 14 games in which they've played in the playoffs, which is an incredible record. Let's have the rest versus rust debate, Arif. Do you think that this time off has benefited the Avalanche more than it's hurt them, or do you think they're going to come out sloppy here in game one? It's going to benefit them. They they did not play any type of series that were as uh, uh, mean as, as the Tampa Bay Lightning, what they had against the Rangers, and that's good for the Avs. They're going to come in a lot more rested, a lot more refreshed. This is also giving time for guys like Kadri and Cagliano to get healthier. Uh, they're never going to be you know up to 100% health, but every single day helps. For, for guys coming out of uh, surgeries that they've had to their thumb and for Cagliano to a different finger. Um, it's going to help. And I think it's, you know, it's going to be full steam ahead. The adrenaline of being in a Stanley Cup final will get you We'll get you going pretty quickly in that game, in my opinion, on Wednesday. Yeah, I can only imagine what the ball arena is going to be like. That place is going to be rocking come Wednesday. But uh, let's do a little injury news and notes here. Uh, you mentioned one of the guys, Nazem Kadri, And look, obviously an unfortunate set of circumstances that occurred in the last series with the Evander Kane stuff. But where is the timeline here with Nazem Kadri? I know, obviously, if, this game, if that series had gone seven between Tampa and the Rangers, maybe it gives him a little extra time. But can Avalanche fans expect to see Nazem Kadri at some point in this series? I can't see a... I cannot see a scenario where Kadri does not dress. So okay. I think he'll be in at some point. Um, is it possible he plays game one? Yeah. Jared Bednar would not rule him out yesterday when he was asked about it. But I don't think that, you know, it's for sure that he plays game one. I could see game two as a more likely scenario and game three as like 100% sure by then we'll probably see Kadri. And again, this is strictly me making my own predictions. Uh, there's nothing to that other than the fact that, you know, Nothing I've heard from the abs or from Kadri says to me that they're ready to shut him down for the season. I think he's playing at some point. Okay, well, that's certainly uh, words of optimism here from our Avalanche reporter, Arif Dean, as uh, the question marks surrounding the status of Nazem Kadri for this series, but it seems like more likely than not, uh, he should be dressed for the Avalanche at some point or another. What about the goaltending situation? Uh, the old Frankie Darcy Kemper debate. I know you and I have talked about a little bit, you know, what's going on with Darcy with the eyesight, some different factors there. Where are the Avalanche in regards to a starting goaltender for game one? Uh, obviously Jared Bednar won't tip his hand, but it, it, it's going to be Darcy. Okay. There's, there's no way that they're not going to start with Darcy and see what happens. When, when Kemper spoke to media last week, he spoke on Thursday. 
uh, you know, we kept asking him what his injury is, and he was looking over at the Avalanche media team like, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say. Right. But uh, when asked if he's 100%, he said yes. When asked if he can see the cu- the puck clearly, he said yes. Uh, it says to me that a fully healthy Darcy Kemper is the guy that got you here. He's your starter, and uh, he's the guy you ride with until he tells you otherwise or or does something on the ice that proves otherwise, and then you turn to Francouz, which you've done already twice in these playoffs. We're chatting with Arif Dean, our Colorado Avalanche analyst for us at MyLifeSports.com. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at RunRightArif. So you kind of answered it a little bit, uh, answered it a little bit there in your answer as well. But what is maybe the threshold here for Darcy Kemper, knowing that you managed to sweep with Frankie and Nett in the last series? Do you think that Bednar, obviously this being the Stanley Cup final, what's kind of the threshold for Darcy in regards to his level of play, his level of performance before you potentially see a goalie swap? It's it's got to be bad goals and and uh, bad goals at inopportune times. He let in a rough one against Edmonton in Game One and in Game uh, a couple times in Game One before he was pulled. Well, he actually pulled himself because right. of the injury, which reportedly is related to his eyesight. But um, until he lets in bad goals, he's your guy. The thing with Darcy Kemper and going up against a goaltender like Andre Vasilevsky, uh, you don't need Darcy to win you a series because the Avalanche have the guys on the ice that could do that for you. You need Darcy to not lose you a series. Right. So when Vasilevsky's feeling his game and you're going to have to throw everything and the kitchen sink at that guy to get a goal through, uh, you got to have a starter on your side that you can trust to not lose you a series and not let in a bad goal at a bad time. And that's ultimately what the Avalanche need from from Darcy Kemper. Right. That's going to be pivotal here. And looking at the game log here for the Rangers, I mean, they've given up five goals total in their last four games played, including one goal apiece in the last three games in which they've won. So and, Tampa and, and also real quick, real quick, you said they had a two to nothing lead in game three, right? Correct. From that, from that point forward, Vasilevsky led in three goals. Yeah. It's unreal. What, what he, he's, he's locked in. And I mean, that's the one thing that I guess if you're looking at it from the Avalanche perspective is how are you going to get around that hump of Vasilevsky when he's locked in like he is right now? It's the whole team that's locked in. Here's the thing about the Tampa Bay Lightning. I've not seen a team better than them at adjusting on the fly. So mm. the way that I, the way that I, uh, uh, that I explain the way that they play in the playoffs and they have for the last three years is they're like a UFC fighter or a boxer that spends the first round of the fight just feeling out their opponent they get a feel, they come out the second round, they get a better feel, and then they strike. They figure out where the weaknesses are, and they strike. That's what they did against the Rangers. The Rangers came out, they came out flying, they realized what they needed to shut down, they realized where they needed to adjust, and then they they made that strike, and they won four straight and let in three goals from that point forward. I mean, that's, that's the way the Tampa Bay Lightning play. So if you're the Avs and you have a killer game one, you cannot be high on yourself. If you have a killer right. game two, still can't be high on yourself. You have to remain, you know, you have to keep the foot on the pedal. You have to remain uh, focused on the task at hand because the Lightning are one of the best coach teams and one of the best at adjusting on the fly. And we've seen that for three years now. We're chatting with Arif Dean, our Colorado Avalanche reporter for us at MyLifeSports.com. Follow him on Twitter at RunRightArif. And kind of an interesting parallel here. Remember when the Avalanche uh, won the Stanley Cup final in 2001, they had to beat a Stanley, uh, defending Stanley Cup champion. And obviously a similar scenario here with Tampa looking to go back to back to back with a three-peat. Hasn't been done since, I want to say, the Islanders in the mid-80s when they won four in a row. So look, you're, you're kind of going up against Goliath here in that sense, but the Avalanche are the favorite from a betting perspective as well. You talk about, you know, the Lightning being able to identify weaknesses. How do you think the Lightning try to attack this Avalanche team and try to expose them? 
Uh, they're going to try to play a physical game. Mm. That's something that other teams have tried and have failed at. The Lightning have the they have the team and they have the players to play a physical game while also remaining focused on the offensive side. The problem with the Oilers, a problem with the Blues, and the Predators never really had a chance. They kind of it felt like they gave up after game two. But the problem with those other two opponents the Avs had that have mean bodies is every time they focused on the physicality, the Avalanche would strike offensively. Well, Tampa Bay's got both. They could send out lines like the Belmar, Perry, and Maroon line to play a physical game. They could send out their top guys like Kucherov, who also play a physical game. And then they can also counter with the scoring like Kucherov and Stamkos and Braden Point if he returns and Sorelli and Kaloran. They just they they have the pieces to do that. So if you're the Avs, the most intriguing part of the series for me is trying to see if they can remain focused on their type of game and playing the offensive style they've played for three rounds and not really submitting to the physicality and the after whistle stuff. Yeah, that's going to be a big question here. One more before we let you go. I know we've got plenty to talk about over the next couple of days before the series gets rocking and rolling, but you're on social media. I'm on social media. As soon as Tampa won that series, a lot of Avs fans starting to chirp across the uh, the media waves there. And I saw a lot of people who I think were just feeling themselves, you know, saying, oh, Avs in five, you know, this team's going to run away with this series and whatnot. I, I don't necessarily think that. I mean, put some respect on the back-to-back cup champions. Vasilevsky, who we what? talked about, is playing at a high level. Do you envision this? Do you think the Avalanche have a distinct advantage one way or the other? Or do you think this is going to be a, hard, a hard-fought series that potentially goes six or seven? It's going to be a hard-fought series. My prediction is the Avs take it in six. They're going to okay. win it on the road. Uh, like they have won every other series this season in the last you know decade or so, they always win series on the road for some reason. Uh, but it's not going to be easy. Like absolutely not. The thing is, when you look at it from the Avalanche standpoint, we've been talking now for about ten minutes about how this is a team unlike any other that the Avalanche have faced. Well, it goes both ways. This is a team unlike any other that Tampa Bay Lightning have not have have haven't faced. Not just this year, but in 2021 and 2020 as well. So. Uh, for both teams, they're going to have their work cut out for them. It's a matter of which stars show up. Kucherov and Stamkos versus Gabe and Miko. Victor Hedman versus Kel McCarr. Devon Taves doing his thing. The depth showing up. Nazem Kadri, Braden Point, those kind of guys. And then obviously the goaltending. So for both sides, it's 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 going to be a tougher task than anything they've seen in recent years. It's going to be an exciting cup final between the Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning, and our guy Arafin will have you covered all along the way at MyLifeSports.com. Be sure you're following him on Twitter, at RunRightArif. All right, my man, I'll let you go. I know you got stuff to do. We'll do it again uh, manana, and away we go as the Avalanche are looking to uh, win the Stanley Cup for the first time in over two decades. We'll talk to you soon, all right, my man? Yeah, for sure. Thank you. I'm heading over to Ball Arena right now for practice, so I'll have updates from there. Uh, one last thing I just want to note real quick is the Avalanche actually just signed a forward out of Russia named Lucas Sedlak. Okay. He used to play for the Columbus Blue Jackets before going out to the KHL. Expect a lot of these moves coming. The Avalanche are going to lose a lot of guys this summer, like Burakovsky, probably Kadri, things like that. They're going to need to fill it with players like this, players like Ben Myers, who they signed before the season ended. So Joe Sackick's already at work for next season while focusing on this season as well. So it's going to be an interesting 31, 32 days between the Stanley Cup final, the draft, and of course free agency starting in just over a month. Absolutely. And you'll have us covered uh, all across the board on MyAllySports.com. Good reporting from Mr. Dean. We'll do it again manana, man. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to you then. There he goes. Arif Dean does a great job for us online. MyAllySports.com. Two incredible guests back to back. We got Ryan Blackburn in the 15th segment. We got Arif Dean in the 30th segment. And then now you're stuck with me in the fourth segment as we're going to lock in some wagers. We got an NBA finals game that we want to bet. I've also got a couple of baseball plays to get off my chest as well. So let's do just that. Hit a break. When we come back, lock in some wagers 
right here on the program. It is middays at Mile High. It is Mile High Sports Radio. I'm Anilo Piro. Take a quick break. Back in just a few minutes. Now more middays at Mile High. Here's Anilo Piro. Wager time. Welcome on back to the show. 1148 right here on My Life Sports Radio. Middays at Mile High. A little programming note. We got some sponsorship announcements coming down the pipe this week. So stay tuned to that. Excited about the future of the show. Also got some news and notes about the good old football Friday and the written primer on MyLifeSports.com. Tis the season. I saw a funny tweet today because a lot of people were tweeting about the College Baseball World Series. And it was like your friendly reminder, college football starts in 90 days and we have to stop pretending like we care about college baseball. I will say, I don't know if it's just because of these ESPN deals. I feel the same. I feel like I've watched more college baseball this year than I ever have before in my life. Much like I feel the same way with hockey. Like I, I, I finally got the Wi-Fi set up in my apartment. And yesterday, you know, it was 11 a.m. I don't even know. I was waiting for the UFC to start or maybe it was Saturday, whatever it was. And I was just watching college baseball. The one thing that I don't get about college baseball is why don't they play with wood bats? Like, it seems like they're big enough kids, you know, that they could probably play with the wood as opposed to, ding, you know, it just makes me, that's the only thing that doesn't resonate with me. You know, it's like ESPN finally gave the general sports fan public permission to watch sports that aren't football or basketball. Yeah, it's great. I'm loving it. I mean, I'm, I'm into the College World Series. Like, I'm not going to fancy myself an expert, but for a nice little casual watch, throw it on. I like watching it. So, all right, 303-831-1340. If you guys want to give us uh, any last-second bets, give us a text. And uh, let's start with the NBA Finals. Well, actually, no, let's start in Major League Baseball because I'm actually betting your Cardinals today, Andrew. I know you've got a rookie pitcher on the mound. I looked. He's only logged, I want to say, four innings pitched. I saw Thompson, or he's making his MLB debut today. What can you tell me about this kid? I was doing a little research with him. He's not one of your highest prospects, but he's doing all right in, in the minors, I heard. He was one of our brighter pitching prospects, Zach Thompson. At one point. Uh, up until about last year, he kind of had a rough year last year, but he was one of our top two or three pitching prospects. Mm. Really the only notable guy outside of crap. I, his name. I, is, I know I've read, I read this whole oh, article. Matthew about, Libertor. There, there it is. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I like him. He doesn't have overwhelming stuff, but he's, he could slot in tops as a really solid three, really, really good four. Right. He's not going to be, you know, uh, an Adam Wainwright, Jack Flaherty, almost type. like what Gomber is right now for the Rockies, in a way. Like he's going to be, that, a, he's going to be like a steady starter, right? I can comp that. Like you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like you know, like you said, like a solid three, four, a guy that you're never expecting to go. Like what's a good outing for this kid? Five innings, two runs, couple strikeouts tonight, like you, or peace. just in general, right? You're looking for just him to keep you in games. He's one of those pitchers, right? He's not a pitcher that maybe he's gonna... also gets lucky that he's up against the Pittsburgh Pirates team, which mm. has dropped like six straight. Which is why I like the Cardinals. Tonight. I don't hate it, and I'm actually gonna play him because it's minus 180 on the full game money line. I'm gonna take him on the run line, minus one and a half at plus 106, 
And look, maybe there's some concerns here with a younger pitcher. I believe he's only logged like three or four innings pitched at the big league level this year. Yeah, he's coming a few times out of the pen. Right. And so this is his, I think this is his big league, uh, his first big league start of his career. I'm going to trust the Cardinals organization at home against the Pittsburgh Pirates. A couple of trends here. You know, it's these divisional games always tend to, you get some good trends. Cardinals are 18 and 12 at home this season. Pirates are 11 and 17 on the road. Pirates 21 and 48, their last 69 head to head meetings against the Cardinals. Cardinals are 5-1 and one their last six home games. And my favorite one here, the Cardinals have won and covered a minus one and a half run line and four of their last six head-to-head matchups against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, no, I, I mean no disrespect to the Pittsburgh Pirates coming into a statement that it's going to completely disrespect the Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> I would feel comfortable throwing Gil Whiteley on the mound right. for six innings. I don't blame and, you. And, and the Cardinals would still cover the run line yeah. by like five runs. So I think with general consensus, we both like the Cardinals tonight against the Pittsburgh Pirates. They're bad. They're real bad. Yeah, they're not very they good. They are the Pittsburgh Pirates. So uh, there's your Major League Baseball play of the day. Let's shift over now to the hardwood where we've got ourselves a fantastic series knotted up at two games apiece between the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors. Obviously, Golden State coming off an impressive 107 to 97 victory uh, in game four in Boston. So here's the ultimate trend, right? Boston is 7 and 0 coming off a loss in the postseason. We've got some other uh, news and notes here. Since January 29th, the Celtics are 12 and 1 after a loss, and they've covered in that following game by an average of 13 points. So not only does Boston rally, but they rally big time here. And you know I'm a trend better, although I will say if there was a game where I felt confident in thinking the trend was going to end, tonight's that night. Going back to Golden State, I think the Warriors got a little mojo. Stephen Curry played out of his mind. I think if there was an opportunity for the Warriors to kind of end that track, end that streak, go up three games to two, I think tonight's the night. But I'm not betting on it. Give me the Celtics plus the four points tonight. It's just, and I know that we've seen blow up, blow up, blow up, blow up. I'm going to keep following the trends that have made me money throughout this entire series. Betting against the team or betting on the team that lost in the previous game. And Boston has this weird sense of wiring where they really just get lackadaisical coming off a win. And you're going to, you know, you're going to get an A plus effort. Jason Tatum played awful in the fourth quarter. You know, they have the size advantage when they can exploit that like they did in the first half of that game four. Four points, a little bit more than a one-possession game, point over. Give me the Boston Celtics tonight, plus four. I wouldn't be surprised if Golden State wins this game outright. And if they win, they're probably going to cover a four-point spread. But I just, I've seen too much resiliency from the Celtics team game over game after game after game. Let me read this stat. I got this one from the Action Network. Since January 29th, the Celtics are 12-1 and coming off a loss, and they've covered by an average of 13 points in that winning game coming off a loss. So the Boston has done a tremendous job of rallying after a loss. You'd expect an A-plus effort. They know that if they go down 3-2, yeah, the next game's going to be in their building, but you want to potentially win this game, have an opportunity to clinch the NBA Finals in the TD Garden. I'm going to play the Celtics tonight with the points. You could also take them on the money line because that's been kind of the trend here as well as teams that are getting the points in the games in which they're winning, they're blowing them out. So you can get them plus 146 if you want to go down that rabbit hole as well. I'll take the plus four at minus 110. Keep it easy. Keep it honest with myself. That way, in case, you know, Stephen Curry or Clay Thompson, someone hits a miracle three at the end to win it, I'm still going to cover with a four-point spread. So uh, I like Boston tonight. You think uh, your boy Jason Tatum's going to rally, Mr. Detmer? Uh, here's hoping. What if, Did you watch that game on Friday? I did not. It was an interesting one. I was in the one. process of thinking my foot was broken. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're, you live an interesting life, my man. But I like the Celtics tonight. Obviously, this, uh, the, the dubs looked extremely good in game four, but it's also, you know, it took Stephen Curry putting up, what, 43 points, turning back the clock, you know, a couple years. I mean, is he going to do that two games in a row? I'm not so sure. I can see him doing it in a game seven at home. And that was my bet all along. Wasn't I've been, there a trend that the Celtics hadn't lost back-to-back games in like 
I think that I, that might be a, that would make sense. A crazy amount of the games. one that I'm still fixated on is the fact that they're seven and zero this postseason coming off a loss. They get to lose. They lose a game in the playoffs. They've won every single game following by an average. If you go back to January 29th, by an average of 13 points, and they're the four point dog tonight. Now, like I said, if there's a game where that streak comes to an end, I think it could be tonight, Golden State. But my initial prediction was Warriors in seven. I'm sticking to that. And even if Golden State wins tonight, you know. We'll see how this kind of all shakes out. But my two big plays for the day that I like, give me the Boston Celtics plus the points in a spot that they've proven to be, you know, pretty profitable all series or all playoff long. And I'll take the St. Louis Cardinals tonight on the run line. Minus one and a half against the uh, pesky Pittsburgh Pirates, although St. Louis is the home team here. So uh, good trends to kind of support both of these plays. I like them both. And uh, we'll see how it shakes out. I got to save some shekels, though, for the NHL Stanley Cup final. That's where the shekels are going to be wagered with the Avalanche. I think that's a seven game series. We'll do a whole segment on that a little bit later on, probably tomorrow or Wednesday, where I'll kind of give out my official series predictions, show you guys how I'm going to bet it. I think it's a seven, six or seven game series at the least. I think there's a lot of Avalanche fans living out there in La La Land thinking this thing could go five. We're talking about the best goaltender in the league. And we're talking about a Tampa Bay Lightning team that is more. What was it? It was 1 1. The Rangers scored the game tying goal to make it 1 1 in game five, the last game, game six. And they score the Lightning do in 30 seconds. I've like, never seen like a team respond. Like 20 in game. I've never was, seen a team respond like the Lightning do. It's insane. You can, And what have the Avalanche struggled with the most? Playing with a lead. Question marks, red flags. You know, I, my, my money is actually on the Lightning. I don't blame Not, you. Yeah, like I'm, I've been on the team from the beginning. And right now, the Avalanche are playing at an absurd level, but the Lightning haven't lost a step in three. And they're going for the third straight cup. This team is hungry. Yeah. Both teams are hungry. Both teams weren't just as bad. But right now, you have to go with the experience factor. No, and I right agree. now, the Lightning just, they know when, when their back is against the wall, it's not actually against the wall. They just, they're comfortable. They, they just think they're, they're, their opponent thinks it is. Yeah. And then they just, oh, well, switch, flipped, let's go. I don't necessarily disagree. I, I want to try to get an avalanche or a, a Tampa. Said, go avalanche. Yeah, I agree. I want to see. I want to try to get a Tampa beat reporter on. I might have to try to do that for tomorrow's show. I want to get the other opinion, the other side of the coin here for this Stanley Cup final. All right, we got to get out of here. There. Up next, Gil Whiteley, Whiteley. So thank you guys for listening. Great viewership on the Twitter stream today. So thank you to everyone that listened there. And uh, away we go. Talk to you guys, Maniana, and happy betting. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.